You're listening to Think, Think, Thought, a podcast about building thinking classrooms and teaching math. Hi, everyone. Kyle here again, joined today again by Megan. Hi, guys. And today we're continuing our little series diving into building thinking classrooms in mathematics by Dr. Peter Lilladol. Megan, this chapter is all about homework. So it's a fun one. Can you give us a little overview of what we should be thinking about with homework? Absolutely. Well, first, I want to say I can't believe we are already at chapter seven. It feels like just yesterday we were doing the like an introduction. But um, yeah, chapter seven, as you said, is all about homework. And uh, so pretty much I would say that every every classroom has a version of homework. And obviously, like I spend some time in kindergarten, like that's like less so. But there's many versions of homework pretty much K to 12 in some respects. And I would say most teachers struggle with the effectiveness of that homework. And this chapter just proposes a different way of maybe making homework more effective for all of the stakeholders, parents, teachers, students, everybody. Yeah. But there's But there's a lot to the chapter. So I know I had some thoughts, but what, what were your kind of big well, I thought this for a long time, and Peter articulates it in the book, this whole idea that students who need to do their homework, they don't. And the students that don't need to do the homework are the ones that do it. So again, what's the point of this? That's that effectiveness, I think, we're every time, every, every single time. And I think further to that, he really paints a nice picture of the contrast between what teachers believe homework's all about and what students believe homework's all about. You know, for us as teachers, we say these wonderful things, like it's a good place to take risks and test your understanding. Maybe there's some self-assessment. Maybe we're learning from our mistakes. Wonderful things that we want all of our students. Oh, utopia, really. <laughs> the dream. Um, however, for our students, it's not the thing, right? <laughs> it's not exactly. No, they they tend to see homework as a place to earn marks or grades, and they see it as something that they're doing because they have to for their teacher. They're not doing it for the joy of learning and for learning from their mistakes and all these different pieces like we want them to. So there's a big disconnect there. And there's a big disconnect shown in the, you know, he lays out these ideas of the studenting behaviors. We talked about that early on. I think that was in the intro um, with the mimicking and the slacking and all these other pieces. But he lays out studenting behaviors that relate to homework. What, are, what were those behaviors, Megan? So there's, there is really four of them. There are kids who don't do it, who cheat, who get help, or who actually try it on their own. So with the um, students who um, didn't do it, there's lots of different reasons. Number one, kids are like pretty busy these days. We do need to understand that that some children are overscheduled or even like my son who is in like high school, he is like emotionally done. And so it's not a um, priority for him at the end of the day because sometimes the day takes a lot out of you. And the other thing too that always happens is that they will just forget to do the homework because either the homework just isn't important to them or they just have or organizational skills and and like I see this in spades in my own experience like I was the kid who was rushing to finish homework while the teacher slowly walks up and down every row I'm like trying to get the last couple questions in because I, because I would genuinely forget because I poor organizational skills so that was the first kind of studenting behavior yeah, the other thing I, I I believe is like we take so much time from kids as it is just during the day and it's good time learning in schools. It's a wonderful thing, but it doesn't mean I'm entitled to eat up hours of their time at night. And they have other things, and oh, you know no. they need to they need to socialize. All these other pieces is key. 
Yeah. Um, which like which is so funny because you will hear teachers complain about having to mark after school. And it's like, well, wait a minute. How much homework did you get tonight? Sometimes there's a bit of a double standard happening there for sure. And the next one that he talks about that these student behaviors related to homework is cheating. We know what this one's all about. This isn't a surprise. I, I like that he goes into some of the creative ways and the brilliance he has seen in students and the ways that they've cheated. And, and you know, I, I think there's something there that this maybe these constraints within the homework world has led to some, you know, innovation. If to... Yeah. Like I'm thinking like really, right? Some really unique but, but just not thinking about the thing that we're hoping. Exactly. He would be, he would talk about these students who like had a spot in their binder with some assignments that they did do ready to go for the day that there's that inevitable homework check and they could just flip to it. And typically the teacher didn't look that closely. He's like, okay, that looks like something that's done. And then in the off chance they got called on it, they would be like, oh, isn't this what I was supposed to do? And they could play dumb and, you know, it kind of works out in their favor. Again, a brilliant way to handle that. But the bigger piece here is why do our students cheat on homework? This is a space to take risks and learn. Why are they cheating? Ultimately, it comes back to this idea of marks and grades. They're doing it because if they can cheat and get away with it, they're going to get the full marks, the full grades. And this currency within our schools drives a lot of this, this behavior that ultimately isn't in the service of thinking. Yes, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it was currency, because that's what it is, right? It's just currency between the teacher and the student. And yeah, and it's just funny too, with all of the things with like photo math and with all of the different AI coming out, like what is the point even? At this point, if you send someone home, there's a very, very likely chance that like there is no way to stop a student from cheating in many, many ways. And we see this too, because and this isn't really cheating, but like they will get help from their parents, which is like the third behavior. It is. And that's that situation where kids are, they don't know what to do. They want to do the right thing. Don't maybe understand the math, but they want to get it done. So because typically homework, at least in my experience, has been more completion based, right? That's where you get. Oh, yeah. Basic level, yeah. Type, right? Like I would say like 60% of it is going to be like level one, easy questions. Exactly. And so, so we see students, they get help. But the focus shifts from understanding and learning to just getting it done and that completion piece. And that's, again, in disservice of thinking what we're trying to accomplish. And, you know, this is something many of us as teachers have experienced. The kids come back and they have this homework and then all of a sudden their parent has taught them the way that they were taught, which, you know, is maybe fine in some circumstances. But in a lot of cases, like, oh, no, we didn't want to do that. We wanted them to discover this later. So you kind of spoiled the surprise for us, which is too bad. But thankfully, you know, there are some kids that try it on their own. Yes, who are pretty much the students that don't need to be doing the homework anyways, right? <laughs> and most of them were made up like they're just mimicking. You know? Yeah, but pretty much, right? I would say before that, you probably gave one worked example and they're just copying the worked example and changing the numbers until you get to the dreaded um, like word problem and then that worked, but then that worked example falls off and they're like, what? Yep. And I think in their research, they found that that when the examples and the analogous examples expire, when they didn't have them, then the kids stopped trying it on their own. They either didn't do it or maybe that's when the cheating emerged too. So kind of a problem. But thankfully, Peter, you know, looked at homework in a thinking classroom. They they dove into this a little bit more. And if you didn't gather it from just the last little bit we talked about, the problem seems to be less with homework in itself than maybe more so the marks that we're giving for it yeah yeah pretty much well because when peter was doing the 
research he found or they found that whenever the homework wasn't like marked cheating just disappear so if that doesn't tell you that cheating is directly correlated to marking i don't know right if it completely disappears then or virtually disappears then what is that for and really when the marks matter to the students or to their parents the homework homework behaviors change like for the worst right and it's kind of like you picture kids it's like when you're timing kids on a test or a group race is a perfect example when you're timing something you see some ugly behaviors come out in like teammates right and it's kind of like when you're putting these constraints that don't allow kids to make mistakes and and build this beautiful dream that we think homework should be you really see some kind of nasty behaviors so traditionally homework as we know it as we grew up with it's broken. Something's wrong with it. This is not working for our students. And ultimately, it's not even really working for us as teachers, despite what we might think. So they propose a, I wouldn't say it's a radical change, but it's a change in how we approach homework. And they suggest approaching it and rebranding it as check your understanding questions. And I really like that name of check your understanding questions yeah. homework because it, it refocuses the students on why we're doing it to check your understanding and who it's for. It's for you. It's the learner. It's not for me as the teacher. And there's a few pieces that, you know, are very critical to this idea of check your understanding questions. Yeah, I think the biggest part is that it can't be graded, marked, or even checked, which I realize is a really, really hard for some of us as like teachers, because it's one thing to say, okay, don't mark it, but don't check it. Yeah. What? But how will I know? Remember, these check your understanding questions are not for you. It's not for you. So you don't have to check it. That being said, I do these all the time. And kids will consistently come up to me when they're struggling. Some kids won't do them, and that's another story. But truly, you do still get a sense because they will still reach out to you if they need help. So you can still understand, but you are not going there and then initiating the check. Yeah, and when we talked earlier about why we as teachers want to give homework, it's a place to make mistakes and, and try some things out. As soon as we're marking it, that safe space is gone. So providing the safe space for, like, for learners to, to try things out, I think is key behind these ideas of check your understanding questions versus traditional homework. Another shift with these check your understanding questions that is very counterintuitive to how we've given homework in the past is when you give out the questions, you also have the answers available for students. This doesn't mean you're giving them the answer sheet necessarily. You could have a post on the wall. Maybe you share it in a digital classroom space, whatever you have. But the idea is that you're giving them the answers so they can continue to check their understanding as you go. Um, but we don't necessarily want to give fully worked examples right away. Why is that? Well, I, I feel like the biggest reason is because if you give a fully worked example, a student could like look at it and be like, oh, yeah, I totally get this. Or, or a student might look at the first worked example and then just like mimic, right? And then we're just like mimicking later, yeah. which like, which is weird. But the other fun part, or well, like not the fun part, but the interesting part about with the work examples is I recently, like this was recently, a few months ago, did my three digit by one digit division for my four or five students. And it's funny because like they had so many strategies, I couldn't give them all the worked examples, right? Or like the worked solutions. So then I kind of gave them different worked solutions based on the different questions I had. Because I couldn't anticipate what they did. And that's the other piece is that in a thinking classroom, you're not necessarily going to anticipate how somebody will have a work solution, right. which is great. Then it's not really mimicking, yeah. right? Those work solutions can almost narrow the focus in a counterproductive way. 
Yeah. So maybe giving a variety of types of solutions when you are doing that eventually is, is maybe a good way to go. The other thing that I like, and he doesn't talk about it explicitly in the book, but we've talked about this before. And anyone who's kind of stayed up to speed with the emerging ideas from thinking classrooms is this idea of categorizing questions instead of instead of easy, medium, hard or whatever. One of the things that's come out, and we're not entirely sure of the origin, but is this idea of mild, medium, and spicy questions. And I really like this because very few students are going to see those as a reflection on the, of their identity. Maybe they're proud they can eat spicy food. Like we all know that guy that likes the wing and they love to tell everyone about it. But And the beard, yeah. right? The beard is wing. He was so proud of himself. Yeah. But, but the, the categories, I'll see teachers, they'll give five questions of each category and we'll see kids do really cool things. And they're like, I'm going to do a mild, I'm going to do a medium, and then we're going to try all the spices. Or I'm going to jump right to the spices, and if it's too hard, I'll go back to the mediums. Yeah. There's some metacognition happening there, right? They're not just doing the content and the math we want them to do, but they're reflecting on the challenges and the, the parts of questions that make them mild, medium, and spicy, which I think is really neat. Sometimes we'll see teachers hold a little discussion after check your understanding questions. And yeah, maybe not everyone did it. But we can talk about which were the most important ones to have done. Is there any example here that's like really good for reinforcing this concept? And that's going to tie into what we're going to talk about later in another episode on homework, which really ties up, ties everything together nicely. Yeah. And the nice part, too, is that likely they are doing some spicier questions in groups. Yes. So and what is good, at least, is like it does give you a barometer of like where they are. So. The students getting a mild question, that is them really having like at least the bare minimum understanding of it. And the medium is like, okay, they have a full understanding. And then spicy is like, oh, like their knowledge is pretty complex and deep. And it is really nice for, for the students. But I always tell kids is don't go to spicy right away because you might get burned. And there's always one kid who's like, I'm going to like do this. And then like they do it. And sometimes it's fine, but sometimes you should watch out, right? So but it's nice for kids to almost choose their end. Yeah. And I like that. And, you know, you're going to have situations where, you know, you need to go back to salt and pepper instead of mild. Or once in a while, and we've seen, I think it was... Honey garlic, it's fine, guys. And I think we saw Jared Sliger, who we had on our first episode of the podcast, they had tweeted us that they did a one-chip challenge, like that really spiked yeah. one problem. Ghost pepper challenge or whatever. Just so challenging just to, you know, but it made it a fun way for those kids to attempt it. Takes off that risk being seen as wrong because like, no, there's a little bit more to this. Which the other thing I really like about this check your understanding questions is it allows you to collaborate even more. And I've seen it when I've been in classrooms that are implementing this practice. They give it the questions. Some kids are working. They'll move to work with either kids that they just worked with in their group, not necessarily a friend group, because they have a common language that they can work through it. Sometimes they'll go work with friends that they know and are comfortable with, and that's fine as well. But we'll also see them gravitate towards the, the vertical non-permanent surfaces because that's a comfortable space for them to work together. And honestly, if we're not taking these in, if we're not checking them, if we're not marking them, I don't really care where they do the work. So I think, why not? And if they want to capture it, take a picture, right? Absolutely. We have access to these devices that can capture pictures really easily in pretty much every classroom. So take advantage of it. Oh, yeah. The other thing that's quite nice, too, is that is that I think that their ability to kind of pick and choose your check, your understanding questions. I was doing a transformations assessment today. And there was a kid who was like, I don't like this shape. Can I change it? And this is on an assessment. A student came up to me. Actually, a few of them were like, we don't like this. I'm like, yeah, you don't like it? And they're like, no, it's like going over like six like lines and it's all awkward and, and we're not great. 
And they're like, can we just show you that we can do a reflection, but we just don't want this to be the picture. I'm like, you know what? That's so true. Like the complexity of the shape doesn't make it any more that you know the reflection, right? So it was so funny, but I do think it was because there's that culture of they've been picking and choosing all year long. So sure, I love, they're like, we don't like this picture. Can we change it? I'm like, yeah, man, it's changed. And it's really interesting because that, I think, again, shows that they've been thinking about the problems and reflecting on their capabilities within the the confines of whatever question you're giving them, which is really good. We've talked about how, you know, let's let's rebrand homework. Check your understanding makes a lot of sense. For me as a teacher, I get it. I think the kids would even buy into it. But there's another stakeholder that we've left out of this conversation so far. And they're often the driver of homework in a lot of ways. So so how do Who could that be? How do we deal with parents or get parents on board with this concept? It's funny. So I, as many people know, I teach in a school that has like most I would say I actually took a straw poll and only six of my thirty one students were born in Canada. When I like asked them like a couple days ago and I was like, what? And well and like many, many like were like, I've been here for 10 months. I've been here for six months. I've been here for two weeks. And so I will oftentimes have people who come from, a, like, not only, like, were they taught differently, their kids two months ago were taught in a very traditional style. And so I have had parents who are like, oh, like, you know, but what about this? I usually say, and Peter essentially says this too, like, you can look for practice questions online. I excel. Like, there's a million practice websites. If all you want is your kid to practice and drill and practice, fill your boots, but this will not be part of my classroom i've taken a slightly different approach i'm like hey i don't want you to, to just go randomly and you like wrote practice at least go to matt Playon is where i said because i'm like at least i know there's some really interesting things and i just say hey play have fun have fun on like math ago do multiplication by heart all of those different things because when it comes down to it parents just want their kids to practice their times table sometimes i swear <laughs> i like just do multiplication by heart it always is multiplication table that seems to come back no matter what grade we're talking about. But I think before, before you know, just a little note of caution here. Before you tell parents, like, this is not something I'm going to entertain, uh, make sure you got your admin in the loop, your principal, vice principal, head of school, whatever you've got going on for your administrative Because as soon as you lay this out or even just pass your book over to them and let them read this chapter about homework, they're going to understand where you're coming from. And I think I'd be shocked to find a situation where that's not supported. So something I definitely would recommend. Um, Cognizant kind of time again here. We want to keep these these episodes short and sweet and hit the main points. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We're we're on social media with Twitter and I think actually just Twitter. But you can email us. Social media. <laughs> One singular. Um, but we'd be curious to hear how your shift towards check your understanding questions has gone for you. Or if you're struggling to make that jump, what kind of barriers are you facing? Because I think it's helpful for everyone if we can share and navigate those situations together. I know I'm really looking forward to our next episode, Megan. We're going to be talking about how we can foster student autonomy in thinking class. Oh, the old A word, autonomy. Or to that, I hope you'll join us again for that episode. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Think Thank Thunk. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss a new episode. And as always, keep thinking, keep thinking, and keep thunking.